Hello there and welcome back to another Friday night. I am Rafael Di Furia, back at it again to talk. Well, actually, this week, not about living in Italy, life in Italy, living life abroad in Italian dual citizenship, but actually this week, traveling to Italy. Because... I'm sure I don't need to go into details about what has gone on this week and that most, if not all of you, are very aware of the events of earlier this week in the United States. Uh, not even a week into the year and it has already been quite crazy. Not to mention the last year behind us. And I'm sure like many of you, there's only so much of keeping up with current events and what's going on before you just kind of have enough. And this week... I'm trying to make myself look ahead after everything goes and changes and finishes. And once we're through the situation and once we're through the various other surrounding situations that have been going on and trying to look at a future that might be just a little bit brighter. I hope I pray <laughs> I am waiting. But anyway, the idea that I wanted to get into was to get more in this kind of like Let's think ahead. Let's try to keep on something positive, at least for the moment. And even if so many things right now in this world are dark and disgusting, let's maybe see if we can find some light or at least try to make some light and uh, have a little bit of fun and think about possible fun times ahead. And so I wanted to talk about some of my tips for the person who is thinking about traveling to Italy. And that goes from the person who is thinking about just having a weekend vacation here, a week vacation here, a month, a summer, a year, or even to come here to look for making a claim through their Italian ancestors for Italian citizenship. There are elements of this video that I really do feel are relevant to a little bit of everybody here. And of course, if you have any tips, if you've been to Italy, what are some of the biggest tips that you would say to somebody maybe considering their first time coming to Italy or even for their fifth time coming to Italy? What are those things that you think are absolutely necessary and are worth keeping in mind during a trip here or even to do or to see or how to do something? Or even if you've never been to Italy and you are an avid traveler, what are those things that you think are the most important when traveling around? Let me know down in the comment section below. I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. And also, of course, thank you to those of you who are subscribed to this YouTube channel and who've been liking and sharing these videos and, and a gigantic, even bigger thank you to those of you who actually helped to make this content possible through Patreon. Thank you all so much for your support. It's because of you guys that I'm able to continue this project, even through this, and not even, but especially through this crazy time that we're all going through. It really means so much to me, so thank you very much. But anyway, let's just jump right into this. And I wanna try to see if I can tackle this in order as much as possible. And the first idea is about actually arriving in Italy, depending on where you're coming from, you will have different options. If you're coming from Europe, you will have a few more options at your fingertips. If you're coming from across the world, on the other side of the world someplace, then your options become maybe a little bit more limited. But if you're coming, say, from North America, South America, really anywhere outside of Europe that you can't get here by train, and we'll talk about trains in just a second here, but if you're coming from one of these places by plane, even within Europe, for example, what you can do is there are various places that you might want to consider flying into. Most of the flights that you'll find online, most of the cheaper flights will seem to want to take you either through Madrid to get to Italy, and then you get to one of the airports here, or through Rome or through Milan Malpensa. And I would say, if you have the ability, you may want to think about 
a different airport than Rome or Malpensa. And especially if you have to fly through Madrid, then you may have a couple of extra options at your fingertips with just matching up flights from different air carriers, especially Ryanair, for example. But for me personally, I'm the type of person that likes to do things uh, playing it by ear playing the trip by ear, having some idea of what I want to do. But then there's also the element of just having fun, going out and exploring and getting lost. As some of you know who've been watching my videos for a while, that's my favorite way to explore a place. I'm not such a big fan of tours and really getting too much information ahead of time. Some basic information, of course, but I like to get lost in a new place. And so if you're thinking that you would like to get to multiple locations around Italy, I would say it might be, well, at least in the, the main part of the boot, and not considering one of the islands part of the nation also, even though this you could still consider the same place because of the connections, but Bologna. It's not my favorite city in the country. They do have some great food, though. I will say that much. And it is actually a town that, even though it's not my favorite, it is worth checking out if you're thinking about traveling around. And if you wanna use Bologna as a central hub and to be able to go out from there, you can get to Venice, to Rome, to Milan, to Verona. You can get all over the country, even to Naples directly by train. And some of these are express trains. You can get these all from the central station in Bologna. There's two parts of the station. There's the main part that has some more of the regional trains, and then there's the underground area that has the high-speed lines. And say if you want to go to Venice, for example, you can take a regional train, a high-speed regional train, or an inter-regional high-speed train, all from Bologna, and you will have different price points. Some of them will be on the cheaper side, some of them will be on the pricier side, but sometimes you may find that a first-class ticket on one of the most expensive trains may not always be that far from some of the cheapest prices, and maybe if you're considering that you don't have a ton of time on your hands, then maybe that could be a way of allowing you to get to places faster. So I would say that in some cases, yes, it is worth thinking about these some of these more expensive options, because on some of the cheaper options, not only is the train uh, trip longer overall, but what can happen is that you can end up being on a train that has to make a million stops. And especially in the middle of summer when things are hot, those are not so much fun. I end up always getting a little, not feeling so great afterwards, but in some cases, yeah, it can add to your experience, hanging out with your friends and just kicking back if you're, if you're on a trip with your family and friends and you don't really mind a little bit of a longer trip and you're okay to just chill out for a little while. But then of course, this is the trade-off that comes with the lower cost. But if you're wanting to maximize your time in each of these places, then a high-speed train could be the right choice for you. And then also from Bologna, you do have options to take flights all over. You can get to all around Europe. You can even get to Sicily. You can you can really get to so many different places with so many different options. Or even if you want to hit up some of the more unknown places that are off the beaten track, the Bologna train station really gives you a lot of options. And to get from the airport to the train station or to the center, it's really not that big of a deal. By train, you've seen me maybe if you watched one of my videos a while back, it's actually very easy. It's a local city bus not expensive, I would say, or you could take a taxi. And it's also, I would say, reasonably priced, not fantastic, not like so cheap or anything, but it is within the realm of not going to break your bank unless maybe you become unfortunate and get a 
like that one bad taxi driver that happens to be in all cities that tries to take advantage of a tourist. But that's, of course, less common in some places than other places. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you even if you come to Italy. But that's something, of course, in any place um, to keep an eye out for. And in some cities, you will actually find that taxis from an airport to a main city zone have to have a set price. So that is something that is actually worth knowing before you get to the airport so that you can compare and contrast the prices that little bit more. And if you do end up flying into a place like Venice, for example, you have more options than just buses, but you can actually take a water taxi directly to the city and you don't even have to worry about driving through or even going to Mestre first. You can just go directly to the island. But also another way of coming to the country, especially if you're already in Europe someplace, you might want to consider a sleeper train, even one of the train cars where you can have your own room or share it with somebody that you're traveling with and to have your own private space. I can say that this is something that I've tried in the past. I've only done it once and I didn't do it in Italy, but I personally found it to be actually quite a decent experience and maybe even some a little bit better than some hotels that I've stayed at in my life. Not the most amazing fancy place, but comfortable enough and I slept very well on that trip fell asleep in one city in one country and woke up in another city in another country I even actually woke up early enough that I was able to go to the dining cart and this of course was before the 2020 bug I guess as we'll call it here just to try and stay a little YouTube friendly. And so the dining car situation now and going on, this could change a little bit, but I was able to wake up early enough that I had a little bit of time, could have breakfast and enjoy this beautiful ride, watching the sunrise from uh, to, to get from this city that I woke up in all the way to the destination. And so if you are coming from another part of Europe, this could be something worth considering because not only are you covering the cost of your transportation, but if you are going to have to stay in a hotel anyway, why not be in motion without putting any extra effort into it? But if you are somebody that does have some mobility challenges, then it could be a little tricky not necessarily more tricky than taking a normal train if you're a solo traveler or if you're having two of these rooms connected to each other and you're both staying on these bottom bunks. But if you are, if you have some mobility challenges, getting up onto the top bunk and putting it down, that could be something that you may find a little bit of trouble with. And it could be worth getting that second room for you and your travel partner, because in some trains, they actually do have doors that connect between the, the, between the cabins so that you can share the space. But once you're in Italy, I know for a lot of people, especially Americans who come from a very car-centric culture, they want to have that freedom to get around and go see all the places and go do all the things and have their car to get them around the country. But in Italy and also a lot of places in Europe, I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea. Of course, it depends on the city and the country, but in Italy especially, I don't think that's necessarily the best idea. I think it is best if you can to arrive to a city and to take either a, a taxi or public transportation to get within the city to where you need to go unless you're planning to go out to the countryside someplace or a, a, a town that is does not have one of these connections that's easily made by public transportation. And with all of this considered and the complication of having a car in Italy, 
it might just be worth to get to your destination, do all the things that you want to do in that town, and then once you're finally ready to go to your next place to rent a car and to be able to drive out and drop it off in another place and then get yourself to that next location by, again, public transportation or a taxi. Because one thing that is very common in Italy is that in the centers of these cities that they have a controlled zone, a zone where only certain people with certain cars or certain um, uh, permits are actually allowed to drive into these, uh, these zones. And when you get a rental car, I don't know if I've ever heard of a car even having, or a car company having this included within their services, that they even have a, a permit to get inside of these ZTLs, as they're known as, a ZTL, um, the Zona Trafico Locale, I think, a traffic lo- local traffic zone or something like this, I forget exactly, off the top of my head, and it's not so important. ZTL is what you'll see it known as. And so, If you end up driving into one of these zones, then one of the cameras from the city will end up tagging the license plate and you could definitely get a bill in the mail couple months down the road, technically a fine. Um, There are ways around that where you can, in some cities, actually buy like a 24-hour or a one-week pass, depending on the city. Uh, I know even like when I was in Palermo, uh, someone was driving me into the city and we were able to buy at the train station a little ticket that because the, the, the train station was just outside of, or just on the edge of the ZTL. And what we were able to do was you buy this little permit and what you had to do was take note of the license plate of the car and send a text message to the company that you're buying this permit through, or actually, I guess it's not a company, but maybe a governmental office. And then it was an automated system where you send this information in along with your code for this permit, this 24-hour code. And then a few minutes later, we had to actually wait a couple minutes before we got a response. We got an automated response saying, your car has been cleared to drive through the ZTL. Have a nice time. But to know what the system is in place to try and figure that out and try to make sure that you're in the right car and the right zone and the right this and the right that, it could end up being a little complicated and have uh, you might have to pay for that at a later date. And then not to mention even parking. In Rome, for example, when I was there not too long ago before we had our second lockdowns here in Italy, there was a car that had been rented and uh, we just had an impossible time finding a parking place. And so we ended up having to do rounds and rounds and rounds trying to drive around to get something even resembling a parking place that we could potentially even just leave the car in, let alone any place that was close to where we were going. Thankfully, it was through the system there in Rome. Uh, Kind of like the scooters that you see around where there's an app and you just scan the QR code and it unlocks the car, however that works. And you can just drive off with a publicly available car. And so we were trying to even just find a place. We forgot about trying to get close to a place that was good enough to where we were trying to get to. And just were like, okay, any place that we can leave this car, but still not have to worry about ZTLs and this and that and the other. That ended up becoming a huge headache. So if you are in a city, I would say it could be more worthwhile to take a taxi. And in most cities around the country that I've been in, they can actually be quite reasonably priced. If you call ahead in some places, I know they do add an extra fee. For some places, if you just pick one up on the side of the street, there's an extra fee. Or if you get one that's at a taxi stand, there's generally not that extra fee. 
But depending if it's at night or during weekends or even I think holidays, there can be these little extra fees on top. But generally speaking, they're not too bad, but it depends on where in the country that you are. But then getting back to this idea of renting that car and hitting up all these cities and having all these wonderful places to go to, I don't know if that's the best idea. I would say, of course, let's say maybe planning for a one-week trip, you may not want to plan to go to more than, say, two cities with one afternoon trip someplace else. So, for example, say you land in the, one of the Venice airports and you spend a day or two in Venice, because really, I would say, to get a good feel for the city, you can see a lot of Venice in just one day, a long day. But better to, to, to kind of stretch that out a little bit more and have maybe two or three days and you really will see a lot. I don't think you really need that much more there and even that's kind of pushing it at three days in my opinion. And then you go and you spend maybe another day or two in Florence and then you have an afternoon trip to Pisa and then maybe even to Rome or instead of saying in Florence you stay in Rome and you do that same sort of thing although with that idea in mind it might be easier to use Florence as that kind of jump off point to get from Florence to Pisa or Florence to Rome. I can't say how many times I've been contacted or seen people post online saying, hey, is seven days enough to go and see five of these different cities, Milan, Florence, Rome, Venice, to hit up all of the major sites? And even, or even 10 days, two weeks, I think that would be pushing it, but you're going to be spending a lot of time traveling. Let's talk about that in a second. But really in each of these places, I would say Bologna, maybe you could see that in a day and really get everything out of it that you would want as a tourist. But to stay there for longer than that, I would say would be questionable, in my opinion. And I know there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with that opinion. For those of you who know about the video where I went to Rome with my cousin for the first time last year and then even my, my Rome trip that I did this year, these were both less than 24 hours total. And I actually got to see quite a bit in each one of these trips, especially that first trip. My cousin and I walked around most of the city in, in a very reasonable amount of time. It was a long, long walk, but we got to see most of the major sites. We didn't get to go into the Colosseum or into the Vatican or into all of these different little museums and such, but we got to be at them. So it depends on what kind of tourist you are. And for me personally, I can't say that I'm the most interested in seeing museums and what the place was. I'm very interested in seeing what the place is now, what makes it tick, and to avoid maybe some of the common tourist traps or some of the common tourist areas or tourist sites, and to see how it is that people actually live not necessarily to go to the center and to all these places that everybody likes to go. Of course, in a place like Rome, you got to do that because like go visit the Trevi Fountain, go to see the Spanish Steps, go see at least the outside of the Colosseum, go inside. I haven't done that yet, but that's something that is definitely on my list for the next time I go to Rome. But I prefer to go and experience the cuisine and to see that little bit of the museum of life, of what it is right now. And 
maybe even to go and walk some of the back streets, which I wouldn't always say is the best idea, but that's what I enjoy doing. You, of course, need to be careful and you need to make sure that you are doing these things responsibly, but I would rather go to a little hole in the wall outside of the center that I know locals go to and that I even see a couple of locals lining up outside of and knowing that that's what they like rather than trusting one of these websites where you can see the ratings and this and that. I can't tell you how many people I've met here in Italy that are traveling from abroad, especially Americans, that they have to go on their their travel website, that they can only go to the restaurants where they've researched and looked up and has a, the best 10 star, 20 star review because everybody loves it and this and that and the other. And my th- opinion is that if you're coming to Italy why are you asking and trusting the opinions of people who aren't from Italy? Okay, fine, maybe their palates might match a little bit more closely to yours, which in some cases is not the worst thing, because maybe there are certain foods that you want to avoid, especially horse for Americans could be a little bit of a stretch or rabbit. Not that these things are so common, but definitely possible to find. But why not Look and listen to what the locals are interested in. Why not get that experience of what the place is really like and not eat at a restaurant right in the heart of the tourist trap when you could just go out maybe even a few blocks or half a block or just around the corner and then you're at a beautiful restaurant that is the location where the locals go to because they know that's the place that has the real food, the real the real taste, the authentic taste and flavors that the tourist places just don't accommodate. I would rather get lost and look around a place and see what are the restaurants that have the lines and then maybe make a reservation because that's something that people definitely do here in Italy if you're going to eat at a restaurant and then make a reservation for the next day if you're going to be there for a couple of days. Or if you are feeling up for waiting in that line, maybe wait in that line and see if you can get a table. Or If it's one of these places that you can get just a slice of pizza and walk out of, then maybe that's another idea too. But not only is it worth considering some of the restaurants that are off the beaten path, but also I would say even some of the cities that are off the beaten path and get away from these touristy places. Because like I've said in some of my videos, I love Venice, but sometimes at least the times up until before the current situation and my trip there in 2020 on in May about actually going there and celebrating my birthday and seeing the city there. That was the first time I can say I truly loved Venice. I always enjoyed each trip before then, and I always had a fun time, but sometimes it can feel a little bit like walking in an open-air mall, and you don't feel like you're in Italy. You feel like you're in some international mall, airport someplace that... You could literally be anywhere. I mean, you could literally even be in Vegas and you might not notice the difference, although I haven't visited the Venetian. I I hope my point is getting across here. It doesn't necessarily feel like the most Italian experience, even though it definitely is an Italian city or actually maybe I should call it a Venetian city or the Venetian city, the city of Veneto, because so much of the culture here can be different from other places. And there are even people here who would consider themselves Veneto above Italian. But of course, that gets into a whole different discussion, which I touched on in my last video. But even though it is a little bit of a touristy area, why not get up to a place like Alto Adige, even Bolzano and Merano, some places that I know quite well, I can say, especially uh, especially after having lived in that area. 
they can be quite touristy and you will see a lot of German tourists, but that's still a little bit of a foreign crowd if you're coming from North America. Um, but even then, they haven't necessarily been found out so much by the American tourist community. They haven't become some of those places that the Americans rush to. And so I think for the time being, especially once all of this situation is over, it might be worth looking at those areas that are just that little bit smaller or even a little bit outside of Milan or a little bit outside of Venice or a little bit outside of Florence, even if you get up to Lake Como, this is a common place where a lot of people travel to or even Lago di Garda or even Lago Maggiore. These are some places that you do see a lot of tourists, but maybe if you avoid going to some of the major cities on these lakes and get to some of the smaller villages, then you get a little bit of a better feel, but you still get that same kind of sense or ambiance of what the larger cities offer even though they are smaller villages, you can't compare a village to a city or a uh, town instead of a village. And sometimes because these terms can get a little bit mixed and matched depending on what side of the Atlantic you're on and what language you're speaking. When I'm saying village here, I'm meaning someplace that is smaller than a town, like a very small town. That might not be the correct term or the correct way of using it, but just for the context of how what I'm speaking about here, I just want to explain that quickly. And of course, there will be certain maybe touristy things that I would say could be worth seeing or that you will see all over the country that maybe look unique in the place that they're in, but may not be all that unique once you actually kind of start getting around like Venki chocolates, V-E-N-C-H-I. I would say that they are good. I actually happened to get one for Christmas that I, I had just a couple of hours ago. It was delicious. I really enjoyed it. However, I would say it is a brand that can be not only a little bit overrated, but overpriced. And you can definitely find chocolate that is great at other places. That is maybe you're paying less for the name because it is very much like a, a, a Gucci of chocolate, so to speak. And even if you go to one of their stores where they have the, the gelato or the gelati, I should say, the plural, you can get a, a good, a decent gelato there, but uh, you definitely can get better at other places that are more local to the, to the location. And that's the other thing to consider is that maybe instead of going to the main gelateria that's right on the main tourist drag, that maybe there's a place just a little ways off that will have something that is so much better and definitely try gelato around this country. <laughs> In Italy, I would say you can find some good chocolates, but it's not necessarily the best country for chocolates. If you really want like top of the world chocolates, I would say go one country north up to Switzerland and you will not go wrong. Don't get me wrong here. I have had some delicious chocolate here in Italy and I actually do happen to really enjoy the Venki raspberry white chocolate that they make. But again, there's a little bit of hype that seems to go around that one particular company. And again, I'm not saying that it is bad in any way. Also, another point to consider is what type of trip are you coming on here? Are you considering the cosmopolitan cultural events and uh, places to see and the, uh, the, the historical sites? Or are you looking to come to Italy to enjoy a trip of the life of Italy today? Because there's nothing against going to some of these, these historical places and seeing some of these beautiful sites. I know definitely for me, I would love to go and see 
the uh, Last Supper in Milan and to go and actually be able to see that in person one day, that's something that's definitely on my list. There's a couple of reasons why, I'm not gonna go into this video, maybe I'll save that for a later video, but for me also, I would love to go and see the Colosseum or to go and see these places that I know about and have some connection, some prior connection to, even not necessarily because it's like something I'm directly connected to, like a family member or an ancestor or whatever, but I'm saying it's because of these places that I already knew about before coming to Italy and having that mental connection, knowing that this is something connected to this historical figure who I find interesting, rather than maybe just, okay, I wanna to go to Italy, what's there to see, and research just what happens to be here without having that appreciation, so to speak, even though I, you can definitely have appreciation for coming to Italy, but to have that prior kind of something that can pull at those heartstrings just that little bit. And especially for people who are a part of the Instagramming world, uh, the Cinque Terre and also Positano are some of the places that you end up seeing a lot of pictures of these Instagram models taking their pictures and Instagramming it up. But I would say if you're looking for that trip that's a little bit more I don't want to say more authentic because it's just a different kind of authentic, but maybe a little less touristy and a little bit less international tourist. Because I wouldn't say there's necessarily a problem with going to a touristy place if it's Italian tourists and a place where more you'll see more Italian, you'll have more Italian interaction because then I think that adds a bit more authenticity to the experience, at least in my opinion. Not that I'm saying that there's anything wrong though with some of these places that are a little bit more internationally known about. But I would say maybe go and look for a place that's a little bit more off the beaten path that not everybody goes to, like for example, Puglia. There are people who do go there and it is internationally known, but maybe consider some of these places that aren't as overly traveled to. Because also I think maybe one thing that it could end up having that little extra side effect, so to speak, is that it gives you that little bit of an extra story, a little bit of a, a different, unique story than maybe everybody else who's come to Italy and say, yeah, I've been to this and that and the other. It was like, oh, but did you go to this little town that nobody's ever heard about before? And tell them about the authentic experience that you had meeting the little nonna who runs a restaurant and makes all of the food fresh and then her husband brings it out that you don't get in some of these very touristy places. I That's something that I look for a little bit more, that to, to go into that little hole in the wall where it's that little old person who's been cooking the same thing their whole lives and their parents own that restaurant and their parents own that restaurant and that it's some one of these things that's so much more ingrained into the place and has become a fixture rather than a touristy restaurant that just offers the same thing that everybody else offers in the same way that everybody else offers and and just heating it up from a freezer pack sometimes. Not that all places do this, but I think if you've traveled around a little bit, you might get what I mean. Like there's a difference between local cuisine and tourist cuisine. But then also there are other things that I think are definitely worth looking into, like going to an opera, for example, to go and see something that is so much a part of Italy that even when I'm walking around my town, there actually happen to be a few schools that, that teach people how to do this here. And well, more so before the whole 2020 bug, you would see, or actually you would walk through the streets and be hearing people singing opera. And it was just like this crazy thing. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm in Italy. It's one of these things that kind of just smacks you in the face without you really realizing it until it's like you 
listen and hear just it reverberating throughout the little alleyway that you're walking down. Uh, but to go to an actual event at like La Scala or whatever, one of these these halls where you can actually hear opera being performed in the places where it was actually intended to be performed in the right acoustic situation is an experience that you will never be able to truly compare to because it'll just bring it up to that top level that there's no really going beyond unless maybe there's a better singer for example i mean because i know even growing up i used to sit down on my grandfather's lap when i was like little little kid and he would throw on like if luciano pavarotti was on tv like he's like okay we're watching this this is what we are doing <laughs> this is the this is the situation for this afternoon this is the event this is the big event um but to actually go to a place even though nowadays unfortunately sadly you can't go and actually listen to one of the greats that we've all heard about but you can definitely hear people who are up there and who are in maybe just that same caliber or almost at that same caliber of these names that some of us may be familiar with. But anyway, I've had a lot to say in this video and there's definitely plenty more to say that I think I want to try to save for another day. And of course, a huge thank you to those of you who've gotten this far into the video and have been watching my videos and commenting on them and liking them and who are subscribed to this channel. Thank you all so very much. And I always love to hear what you have to say. If you agree with my ideas or if you disagree with my ideas, don't just say you agree or you disagree. Let me know why. I am very curious because these videos aren't just here to be watched and listened to, but this is to create a discussion and to have maybe just that little bit more interaction than just sitting back completely passively. Although I know even when I watch some YouTube content or podcast video podcasts out there, it, it can be nice to just have it on in the background and just lay it back. But anyway, a huge thank you, a gigantic thank you to those of you who helped to make this content possible through Patreon. And thank you so much for helping me to be able to continue with this project. And of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. Thank you for joining me on another Friday night. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you all next time. Later.